In a news update for Monday, May the 1st, 2023, on this Monday morning edition, hour number four coming up next of the Sunday Night Live show. We've said this is part one of a doubleheader, so please stay tuned for that, and thank you for listening. Broadcasting across the Sirius XM radio and across all platforms where you can find contact. Thank you for listening to us. Michael Sills from the Freedom Network, broadcasting all across the interwebs at your favorite podcast player where you can find our content. So let me type in top headlines, national and international news stories. Hour number four is underway next. He honestly did say he couldn't give her anything better than that. And that's the type of stuff that they used to make uh, real medicine out of. And like, true story, I'm serious. And it was, I could tell whenever she didn't take it for a couple of days because she'd be dying in pain. And so. From the cyst? Yes. Oh but my gosh. When she took, but when she took the bodies and took it regularly, you know, at least two, three a day, dude, she was great. Wow. I've ago, never heard about that because I've, 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 I used to get cysts. But it was like the benign ones that would just grow. I'd get them actually on my wrist, and I would pop them. I'd, I'd hit them, or, or like I would literally play basketball, and when I would dunk on a rim and pop them, I'm not even kidding you, they were painful when they got that big, but they were just benign from when I was when I was an athlete. But on the oh, spine, wow. oh, my gosh, because usually it's either surgery or you try to pop it. No, yeah, it was internal. Like, you couldn't see it. So, but yeah, it's a that lot of That must have been painful. Stuff. Well, I'm so glad that our products help with that. So I definitely want to throw that in there, and I, I definitely want to say something on Trump to stand too, but, uh, you know, for everyone out there drinking a lot of soy, you need the alpha power and, uh, you know, the, the super male, because, you know, at that point, you're you're mentally prepared to deal with the deep state uh, and, and all this information. Otherwise, you know, too much soy, and you're just going to curl up in the corner and cry. Uh, <laughs> But to uh, Trump and DeSantis, you know, obviously DeSantis has done a lot of good things with the, the COVID and handled a lot of things in his state well. Like, literally, my Ukrainian next-door neighbors moved there. Really nice people, too. Probably my favorite neighbors ever. But uh, they literally moved there, and so we got new neighbors now. But I, as much things as we've been upset about Trump with, and I know the COVID things and the vaccines is huge, but for me, I, I you know, I'm an old-school warrior, you know, I've uh, I've been to Texas rally for the Free Austin Jones rally and all that and had a good time. But uh, the point is, Trump didn't fight the censorship, you know, and we're not billionaires, so we can't open our own platform like he did. And so there is definitely some things I'm upset with, you know, and, and as much as, you know, we have free spirited debates here and stuff like that, and I love it, you know, I do think there's something to be said for he never conquered the censorship. That's why Laura Loomer is gone. That's why, you know, M4s is gone. That's why I'm broadcasting this on Facebook right now and Twitter because, I, I mean, how else are you going to see it? You know, the link to get banned, you can't share it, but not beating the censorship on, I know you can speak to that. That was the first biggest, foremost thing that, that killed it and, and let the, the last election be stolen. What do you think? Well, it's a difficult one because I could understand, and I'm just looking at all the angles, I could understand not wanting to have your fingerprints on that issue at all and just say it's a First Amendment issue. And so if private companies are going to censor, they're going to censor. Let's let the free market figure it out. But on the other hand, even if you believe that argument, 
The problem is it was the government censoring people. And so now we have that evidence. Now we have that proof. So if, if Trump was going to try to thread that needle and he would have needed the backing of the Republicans, they should have been having these hearings. I mean, they did have the hearings, though. So, I mean, the, it really comes down to this. Is anybody ever going to be subpoenaed or indicted for lying to Congress? Because that's what they did. The big tech companies lied to Congress, and yet none of them have been indicted or subpoenaed for their perjury. So that's really what has to happen here. And that's not going to happen from Donald Trump's hand. But he could, he could definitely apply the pressure to make something like that happen. But that's, that's what needs to happen. Now we have the proof. It was the government censoring. It was the Democrat Party censoring. Truthful information, like the Hunter Biden laptop. And so now perjury charges and other things and other investigations need to start flying. And Jim Jordan is kind of heading up that effort. But unfortunately for the past, it's too little too late. Maybe they can do something to rectify the issue in the future. Hey, Chris, thank you for the call. Let's go to Alex in Florida. Alex, you're on the air. Go ahead. Owen, how are you? Hi, good. First, I just want to say that Alex Jones uh, may have saved my life. There's a 7 to 13% chance that he has. And um, also, with the Trump thing, um, you know, they say that, um, you know, with the Operation Warp Speed, um, he's not a scientist. Um, you, you tell him to do a job, he gets it done. Um, that's how I see it. And I um, think that's definitely what happened, and that's why he's trying to take pride in Operation Warp Speed. But he got deceived, he got tricked, he got duped. Maybe he doesn't want to admit it, and that's fine. I, I, you know, I tend to agree with you. He trusted the wrong people. He's not a scientist. He didn't know any better. He should have gone with his original instincts that were anti-vaccine. This is just the flu. But uh, and that's why and that's why he said, you know, you have your freedom. Don't do it if you don't want to do it. Talk to your doctor. And and that's how I give him the pass on that because he didn't force anybody to do anything. Uh, he, he knew about as much as everybody else did. Maybe probably more. Um, he knows it came from China, of course. Yep. Um, but yeah, so so um, you guys are great. And like I said, Alex probably saved my life, and I've been listening to you for about five months now. I I tend to to um, uh, communicate with you well. Uh, probably not on the phone, but because we're more the same age. I'm a little bit older, 39, but uh, Harrison's great, and I just want to say. The probiotic fiber has done wonders for my gut. Well, thank you so much, Alex. Thank you for supporting us. Glad to have you as part of the audience now and listening over the years. And, uh, you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't claim to be in the business of saving lives, but if the information here saves lives, that's part of what goes on. And so I appreciate those, those kind words today for Alex. Thank you for the call. Let's go to... Uh, Angela in Wisconsin. Angela, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Ellen. So Hi. glad you're there. I've been following you guys since I found out about uh, COVID and a little miracle happened where I actually discovered you guys. So I appreciate all that you've done. If it wasn't for you, I don't think this country would still be free, period. Um, 
I don't think you should go through it, all these things you're going through, but we are, and we keep moving forward. <laughs> and well, so much I appreciate that, done. Angela. However, Glad you found that, us. Oh, I'm, oh, I think you're awesome. So, yeah, someday it'd be nice. Uh, I'm, I'm picturing Donald Trump. Oh, I want to say this real important thing that has not been highlighted by pretty much anyone ever since the beginning. Ever since the beginning. Okay, Trump, I don't know if you remember, clip after, there are clips. If I was, if I could, I'd do a montage of Trump saying hydroxychloroquine and getting shot down, hydroxychloroquine. Dr. Ott did hydroxychloroquine. He had people in the hospital recovering from it. At the same time, Trump was saying hydroxychloroquine. He got special, that special permission. He had it, uh, delivered to all the states in record time, uh, massive doses made. If that had not been shut down, that this whole thing would be a whole different conversation. That's why no one can shake my respect for Donald Trump, because that would have changed everything, big time. So I hope someone will do a montage of all the times they all shot him down. Yeah. But anyway, I... Well, and, and I'm sorry, Angela, I just have to put work. you on pause because I, I, I'm reading a message that I got from my friend who people know, uh, Matt Baker, and I, I want to read this directly because it ties in exactly to what you're saying. He says, if getting the vaccine falls back on everyone's personal responsibility, then no one can ever be held accountable. I guess there was no coercion, so therefore no Nuremberg trial. The amount of media propaganda and global coordination was insurmountable for most people that were not able to listen to InfoWars. It wasn't their fault. And so I think in a way he's maybe agreeing but disagreeing. So, but yeah, that, that's why they had to censor InfoWars. Exactly, is you're just getting the propaganda all the time about the vaccine. Even even when Donald Trump is talking about hydroxychloroquine or, or vitamin C or vitamin D, or you know they make fun of him for the UV light treatment, he's right about that too. They said, oh, he said inject it into your veins. No, that's not what he said. So even that was getting censored. They made sure all you saw was the propaganda about COVID and the vaccines to coerce you into getting it. Again, you know, is this, am I coming from, I'll, I mean, yes, the answer is yes. I'll answer my own question. Am I coming from a cold-hearted place saying if you took the vaccine, that's on you? Yes, I am coming from an extremely cold-hearted place. I admit that. That is stone cold for me to say that. But at the end of the day, it's the truth. I'm sorry you, you fell for the propaganda. It could have been me too. And it would have been my mistake at the time. But that's how I view it. And again, that's why they have to censor InfoWars. It's all about information dominance. I loved the caller earlier that pointed out and reminded that President Obama never left D.C. And all those three-letter agencies involved in that for those that haven't been watching InfoWars for long, I recommend you go to the new website. Uh, what is it called, Alex? Mad Max World TV. MadMaxWorld.tv. And download those videos uh, or just do the search on whatever it is you want to learn about these things and get educated real quick. And um, I... I've been talking to people. I don't have much money. I share what I could with you with the way.org, which is a biblical research ministry that I've been, uh, that speaks the truth, like about the Bible, revealing it, letting it speak for itself, King James Version. 
like I call people, I tell people when I'm out and about since then, truth and news, info wars. Truth and Bible, I can recommend. Well, now is the time. There's no that. doubt. Minds are, minds are right. ready to be opened. And uh, Infowars.com and Bandot Video is a great place to help open them. Angela, thanks for the call. Let's go to Sean in New York. Sean, you're on Infowars Sunday Night Live. Go ahead. Hey, listen, Owen. Yes. Hey, listen, there's the Fetterman and, and also Damar Hamlin and, and even Joe <laughs> Biden. Don't you think they've all been replaced or clone, bro? <laughs> Well, the same people that will tell you Vivek is eligible to be president will tell you that Tulsi Gabbard is not because she was born in Samoa rather than born in the United States. And people that are born in Samoa are, are U.S. nationals, not U.S. citizens, even though her parents were citizens. That's how messed up the situation's gotten on who's eligible and who isn't. I urge you to go to usnaturalbornsitizen.com and look at all the research there. It's not entirely accurate. They have a couple of things wrong but at least it will make, make you think more about this issue. When it comes to warp speed, Trump just wanted to be able to call off the emergency. That's why he went for warp speed. If we had the injection... Yeah, it was like available, a hostage situation. Right. He just wanted to be able to say, look, if you can take it. You don't have to take it. Nobody can mandate you take it. We're no longer in the emergency. That was the point of warp speed. By the time he left office, only 20 million Americans had chosen to take the injection. He didn't make anybody do it, and he was never going to make anybody but do now, it. But now see, now here's the thing, because I have to be I have to be consistent here, and uh, Jeff said, I'm sorry I'm out of time tonight, but thank you for the call. Just the, the exact same cold-heartedness that I'll tell you, if you got the vaccine, you made that choice, 
is I would have the same cold-hearted approach toward Donald Trump. Nobody made him do Operation Warp Speed. Nobody made him take money from big pharmaceutical companies. Nobody made him do any of that. So just like I can sit here and, and yes, coming from a cold place, let's say, say, uh, if you got the vaccine, I blame you. That's extremely cold-hearted. I'll admit that. And, and maybe a little maybe a little selfish and egomaniacal, too, because I wasn't in that situation and I knew it was a lie from the beginning. But that, that same logic applies to Donald Trump. Nobody made him do Operation Warp Speed. Nobody made him believe all the lies of Anthony Fauci. He did that. He made that choice. So he has to lay in that bed with that bad choice. But I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Hey, InfoWars will be back tomorrow morning. We'll see you then. Take an action that's productive. Whenever there's a school it's shooting, Knight I think you need to get Knight to the live show. The truth Sorry, really an error happened. Mm -hmm. We don't have a double error and I don't see of that the Sunday happening. Night Live show. You know, so you have a shooting, and the next day, you know, you've got out-of-state activists and well-financed in-state activists putting forward a solution without any clarity about what really just happened. In 2012, the Department of Justice, Eric Holder, and this is interesting, like, remember that name, Eric Holder? Yeah. So Eric Holder let HSBC skate on, a, on criminal violations, you know, pay a fine and skate, protected by Eric Holder, Attorney General of the United States, who shows up in Tennessee to, to basically target and attack the Tennessee legislators, including threatening lawsuits against them, Eric Holder. Joining us now is Catherine Austin Fitz, and you can find her Solari report at solari.com. Always a pleasure to have Catherine on. She gets the big picture. Thank you for joining us, Catherine. Thank you, David. Um, I'm so excited to hear that you're in Tennessee. Yes, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Love it here. Let's talk a little bit about you. Just recently on solari.com, you just had an article, the Second Amendment and 2024 elections. How do you see this as tying into the election? So I was inspired. I was listening to Bobby Kennedy's speech when he launched his campaign for uh, president on April 19th, and he didn't mention the Second Amendment. So I wanted to send him an email um, to say, look, you, you know, we need you to come out for the Second Amendment. But I thought, mm, I'll write an article and, and post it. At the same time, we were having an enormous fight in the Tennessee legislature um, over the Second Amendment with the governor trying to propose red flag laws. And the governor is now, the, the legislature finished without addressing this, and the governor is now trying to propose a special session. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that won't happen. But what you see in Tennessee right now is you see the extraordinary effort to, to chip away at the Second Amendment. And I wanted to write a piece for Bobby, but for everyone about why this is so important, because many citizens do not connect the dots between the Second Amendment and their financial transaction freedom or their property rights or their incomes. And what they don't understand is if you lose the Second Amendment, we are going to watch all these other things collapse in short order, because if you look at what is blowing the establishment down from literally confiscation of real estate or confiscation of property rights or compromise of human rights, one of the biggest barriers is the fact that the population is well-armed. Mm -hmm. 
and 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 well armed and many of those people who are well armed are well trained in their constitutional rights so the second amendment of the constitution protects our right to bear arms and and that right to bear arms protect many other freedoms in the constitution if you pull in the guns the speed at which those rights will go away i noted in the article that jamie diamond the ceo of jp morgan chase recently wrote a letter to shareholders and said that the time has come to exercise eminent domain, not just by government, but by businesses and not-for-profits to get what we need to do renewable energy investments for climate change. Now, what I will tell you is that has nothing to do with climate change. It has to do with implementing an electrical grid that can implement digital concentration camps. Yes. So, so you know, whether it's confiscating the land or whether it's trying to implement CBDCs, you know, I've always, I've said for many years, if I was Jay Powell, I would not pass, try and get the legislation passed to implement CBDCs unless I had pulled in the guns. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think the, I think the fact that Americans are well armed and well trained to use firearms is a major protection of our freedoms. And um, so I wrote the article because it's, it's time we have to really talk about this and people who haven't been engaged in protecting the Second Amendment need to get engaged. I agree. I've said many times that it is a mutually assured destruction, like the uh, mad policy that we had during the Cold War. Neither side wants to do a first use of this. Hopefully they don't want, we don't want to do it. Uh, But it is there as a deterrent. And of course, the founders understood that as well. Uh, They talked about how firearms are a restraint against evil, a restraint against tyrants. And so you really don't want to uh, do something that's going to trigger that because it will destroy everything. And, uh, and it's a very effective deterrent. That is why it's there, but also to protect us. You've got a story about um, your particular personal story about uh, a firearm and uh, a dodgy situation that you were in. Tell us about that. Right. So, so I, what I always stress to people who don't understand this issue is how extraordinary the statistics are about how effective guns are for protecting the honest citizen. Mm-hmm. So if you if you go back and you look at the history, one book I always recommend is a little bit dated now, but still very good, called Point Blank, by a criminologist, in fact, from Florida, Gary Gleck. And it does an excellent job of explaining why honest citizens are really advantaged by owning firearms, and particularly women. So, so this, to me, this is really, for, this is something all women should care about. So I tell the story of... Um, uh, my argument, let, let me step back, David. Mm-hmm. When I travel internationally, I can't tell you how many times I find myself in com- in conversation with people who think that the supporters of the Second Amendment in the United States are gun nuts. <laughs> and they can't fathom why we would be gun nuts. And, you know, they'll say, oh, you, you have this terrible problem with those people that are gun nuts. And then I say to them, I'm one of them. I'm one of those gun nuts. And they're shocked. They say, I, I can't fathom why you would be. At which point I explain what I explained in this article, which is in every county in America, you see a balance of power between the drug gangs and the drug cartels and the organized crime cartels and the honest citizens who are well armed. Mm-hmm. And what people in New Zealand or people in Nova Scotia don't understand is, you know, because they're not sitting with the same level of drug cartels in their neighborhoods that we are with ours. 
What they don't understand is the minute we lose our guns, you know, there is a standing army ready to move in on us like that. Yeah. They don't understand that delicate balance of power. So I tell the story to, to give an example of that. I tell the story of I was being hassled by a local, it appeared to be one of the local gang members, and he was sort of casing my house. I'd come home from Memphis with a, a SUV full of groceries, and I had the backup, and I was walking one bag in, unpacking it, and then coming back. It was very late at night, and I live in a rural area. So I come out, and he's casing my house in the car, and he sees me, and then he drives over to local policeman's house when he sees it's empty. This local policeman was at his mom's house that weekend. He comes back, and he starts down my driveway. Now, I was literally um, three long strides away from being through my front door, and my gun was loaded sitting right on the desk inside the door. So I knew, now in Tennessee, you're never going to shoot anybody unless you believe your life's threatened and you're in the house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, my plan was immediately <laughs> to head into the house and there wouldn't be a gunfight unless he was foolish enough to come in the house. Anyway, but he, he was clearly, um, you know, his, his feeling and his attitude was very aggressive. And I just got, I, I just got mad. I just, you know, I was not in the mood to be hassled. And I thought, okay, you know, you want to have a fight? We're going to have a fight. And I stood in the driveway, and I was very clear in my mind exactly when I had to start moving towards the house and exactly what I was going to do, especially if he chased me into the house. I knew I would be fine, you know, because I've had excellent training. And um, he got just about a half a foot from where I was going to head into the pick up my gun. And suddenly it was remarkable. I could feel his fear. Huh. It was, you could cut the air with a knife of his fear. He, he was really afraid. Now, a lot of these guys are on a tight leash and, you know, they're not used to real fights. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? They're, mm -hmm. they're kind of uh, bully situations. But anyway, so, so I, I could feel his fear and I felt no fear at all. I knew I was going to be fine. And uh, um, no matter what he did, I was highly confident I was going to be fine. And um, suddenly, okay. I've, yeah, 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 yeah. You, 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 and suddenly he started to back out of the driveway and drive away, and he was scared. Mm -hmm. But the reason he was scared was because I was confident. And I was confident because I had a gun. And, and I knew I was going to be fine in any situation. Now, if I had not had a gun... You know, who knows what could have happened. That's right. And what I try and stress on people, you know, we have a great sheriff. And it's really important, as you know, to have a great sheriff. But our, our sheriff is 25 to 45 minutes away. Yeah. And I have neighbors. But when you're in a situation like that, you can't call your neighbors. Besides, they're asleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so right. I've got a story so, from my, uh, not from my experience, but from my grandfather's experience. Uh, back in Tampa, uh, early part of the 20th century, when they still had uh, streetcars, he was a streetcar conductor. And he always carried a gun, but he had another job. He and his brother-in-law would uh, go around. They would, uh, it was in some low-income areas, and people get paid on Friday. They would send them around to collect the rent on Friday. And that made them a target because everybody knew that they were picking up money from people. Back in those days, right. everybody was paying cash. Uh, his brother-in-law was murdered, and the police didn't find him. He found him. He was murdered with a hatchet, and they stole the money. 
And then he was um, you know, still doing the same job. Shortly after that, he comes back to his car and he's a bit cautious. He saw a guy curled up behind the front seat and he pulled out his gun. He pointed at him. He said, if I ever see you again, I'll shoot first. <laughs> he never saw him again. But that was never reported. That was right. nothing ever happened as far as the statistics are concerned. And of course, they weren't really keeping statistics back then on that kind of thing. But uh, that's a good example of something, how it can be used to deter evil. In the same way that, you know, just the, the population having guns is a deterrence to what the, uh, well, what the government might want to do in terms of uh, tyrannical, unconstitutional things or just, you know, full-on confiscation, as Jamie Dimon's talking about. One of the other links I put into the, um, into the article was a great chart. There's a, when I was in Washington, one of the groups that the congressional staff would tell you was the most effective on gun control is a group called Jews for the Preservation of the Owner of fire, uh, Firearms. Yes. And um, and they have a chart up on their website. They have a very good website, and they have a chart up on their website of all the genocides that immediately fo fo followed gun confiscation. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, if you look around the world and you see places where the lockdowns were particularly brutal, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't have guns. If you look at the lockdowns in Australia, one of the reasons that happened was they got gun control. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, if, if the Australians had owned guns, I don't think the lockdowns would have been anywhere near as brutal. It was very brutal. I remember seeing the pictures yeah. of them, you know, attacking people. They were out there by themselves on the beach or having people who didn't have a mask. And they had a, a lot of uh, armed police tackle them, surround them. They had uh, mounted right. police. They would forcibly put the mask on them. It was crazy what was happening in Australia. Right. Yeah. Right, and it was unthinkable for anybody. Australia's always been called the lucky country, mm -hmm. and and the quality of life in Australia, you know, as of 2019 was higher, much higher than the United States. Yeah. So it was unthinkable that such a thing could happen in Australia, but I assure you it wouldn't have happened if, if they hadn't wanted the guns. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Tennessee, uh, since you are a part-time resident here and. Um, I am a resident here, and we're very concerned about what is happening, but I think it is something that has national implications for people. Uh, Absolutely. We had, we had this horrific shooting here. There is a feeling that something needs to be done. Many of us are looking at this feeling that this is appeasement, and it isn't going to accomplish anything. I know that the red flag law that's been proposed by the governor is a little bit different from some of the other red flag gun laws that are out there, but it is still... Uh, a red flag gun law, and these things have, as, as we see uh, the uh, the uh, stories about the IRS getting aggressive with people. Uh, you uh, uh, were talking about a um, sent me an article about uh, uh, the IRS and how many agents they're out hiring. Yeah. They're out hiring in all fifty states people who carry guns. That's right, and so right. we know that something like that has a possibility. I remember back in the nineties, the Washington Post did an article. Uh, about what had happened with uh, a family over the mother's delinquent Department of Education loan. And so the Department of Education had a SWAT team. And in that article, they said, uh, we had seen that they had purchased all this SWAT equipment. We couldn't figure out why the Department of Education was doing it. Well, they had her address. She had left the family. She wasn't even living there. They came at the uh, O'Dark 30 hours, and they pulled the, everybody out of the house, but the father down on the ground, uh, face down on the ground. Where, where is she? That type of thing. And it's that kind of abuse of power that always has the opportunity to happen when you've got a bureaucracy, because they can always, you can always have some energetic Barney Fife that's going to do something like that. And so it's a dangerous thing to put a red flag law out there. 
and it is really a sign of appeasement. And I think that beyond the gun issues, it is going to be something that is going to invite the kind of takeover that we saw with the Tennessee Three, if you will. And it is uh, an effort to corrupt and to shut down that institution. So I think it's very dangerous on many different levels. Well, first of all, what I would say is that I think what needs to happen, you know, if you want to take an action that's productive, whenever there's a school shooting, I think you need to get to the bottom of the truth of what really happened. Mm -hmm. I and I don't see that happening. That's right. You know, no. so you have a shooting, and the next day, you know, you've got out-of-state activists and well-financed in-state activists putting forward a solution without any clarity about what really just happened. That's right. We haven't okay. seen the manifesto. We don't know anything about motivations. We don't know what the individual is going through. We know that she was seeing some, uh, psycholo getting some psychological help. And we do know from past experience that in many of these cases, they give them SSRI drugs. And we know what happens with the SSRI uh, R.I. drugs, it can actually make people more suicidal. It's a, uh, a factor in a lot of murder-suicides. I've uh, talked many times to an organization, SSRIStories.com. They've collected over 7,000 of these stories. If somebody varies their dosage because it's creating some other kind of uh, side effects, it can make people uh, go into a fight. They don't know what they're doing. One instance, uh, oh, a guy goes... Sorry, go ahead. You know, these people can be mind-controlled and programmed to kill. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or, or it so, can happen just because they of the drug. One kid uh, went in and he was pointing the a rifle at his class and then pointing at himself and back in the, They finally were able to get it away from him. He had no recollection of what was happening to it. So that is one of the key things that is typically done when somebody has a, a psychological issue. And we see that that is exploding now in the school. So perhaps... The Tennessee legislature should take a look at what is happening in the schools. Why do we have 30% uh, or so, a third of the of young girls uh, talking about suicide, ideation? You know, right. or not, they try to do it. That is something well, he, that we never had right. in the schools before. Why is that happening? Well, but you have kids ingesting lousy food. You have kids ingesting lousy media. You have kids being put on pharmaceutical drugs at very yeah, young age. You have kids being abused Network. for a variety of reasons. Well, it goes on and on, and, on. Radio. and And, you know, what we're talking about is debasing our children, Content. poisoning our children in a variety of ways. And, and whether they act up because they're disturbed or they act up because somebody's... I mean, make no mistake about it, kids can be mind-controlled and programmed to kill. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. you know... Go, go check out Hollywood. There's scores of movies on this exact same topic. So we don't know. I, I don't know what happened in Nashville because there was no time to know it. All of a sudden, you just had well-financed activists demanding gun control. At the same time, the head of J.P. Morgan Chase is proposing that our real estate be confiscated. That's right. So the reason that gun control is being encouraged you know, and, and is being, uh, the push for it is being financed, doesn't just relate to people who want the schools to be safe, because there are many things you can do to make the schools safe that we're not doing. Mm -hmm. It relates to the fact that you have very powerful, wealthy people who are trying to centralize political and economic control. That's right. You know that, and I know that, and they are using this as the tip of the spear to get it. Now, all you need to do is create a law that says, Oh, we get to do the following with a dangerous person. Well, who gets to say who's dangerous? 
Mm-hmm. There you go. And what, you know, when the person and the and the issue is the person is dangerous. Just going in and taking the gun doesn't really change anything. Why? Nope. Uh, when we look at the lesson of the Waukesha uh, Christmas parade back in November 2021, we had the same number of people killed. Six people were killed, and we had 62 people who were injured. Uh, you had a dance company of grandmothers, the dancing grannies. You had kids as young as eight years old that were killed from eight to 81 were the uh, ages of the people who were killed. You had this individual who did this steering the car, targeting people. I mean, he wasn't just speeding through a crowd and happening to hit people. No, he was turning the car to the, the SUV to hit people. Why didn't we come after 2010 Ford Escapes, which was a murder weapon? <laughs> Why didn't we say that we got to have a background check? Why didn't we say, you know, if you got a problem, maybe we're going to confiscate your car? This guy had actually used, just a, a few days earlier, he had actually used his vehicle to uh, assault his girlfriend. And he had a violent right. history, he had multiple convictions. And after he had convictions and was a felon, one of the things that happened a couple of years before that was he was uh, in possession of a firearm. So obviously that's prohibited and that's not something that he legally had because that was another charge against him, a you know, right. felon who was in possession of a firearm. So the gun control laws didn't stop him. If they had confiscated, if he had any right. guns and they confiscated that, that wouldn't have stopped this murder. So if you look, I go back to the balance of power between in almost every county in America, you have a group of well-armed drug gangs and, and organized crime gangs, and then the honest citizens. Gun control does not remove guns from the criminals. That's right. Gun control removes guns from the honest people, from the citizenry. Mm -hmm. And at which point we are outpowered, not just by the government, but... I'm not worried about the government because the government that 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 those organized crime gangs are there right now and they are on a tight leash, you know. And if you follow the chain of command upstairs, they're working for the top, the guys at the top, and it's within 24 hours they're going to move in. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, you talk about how pervasive it is from top to bottom. Uh, that's how HSBC began, right? Hong Kong, Shanghai, right. Bank, you know, the opioid wars, uh, and they've had a lot of convictions in terms of doing money laundering. I remember Matt Taibbi, before he became famous with the Twitter files and other things like that, was writing for Rolling Stone. He talked about uh, how HSBC was too big to jail uh, because right. they had already been convicted multiple times. I had the whistleblower who was working inside there after the first time they were convicted for doing money laundering for drug cartels and for terrorist groups, and he was part of that group, and they hired a bunch of people who had no law enforcement experience, but he was curious and he took it seriously, and he found that they had this list of places and people and organizations that were supposed to raise a red flag, and he found that they had intentionally misspelled a word here or there or inserted a space or something, and um, he blew the whistle on that. Of course, uh, they, they fired him, but that was part of what Matt Taibbi was looking at. <laughs> And uh, this is an old, old story. I mean, just take a look at what has happened to opioid production oh. in Afghanistan after we left. It's plummeted to nothing. <laughs> in 2012, the Department of Justice, Eric Holder, and this is interesting, like, remember that name, Eric Holder. Yeah. So Eric Holder let HSBC skate on, a, on criminal violations. 
you know, pay a fine and skate. Mm-hmm. And and if you look, John Titus made a fabulous video about this. It's called All the Plenary's Men. You can get it at his Best Evidence channel on YouTube. And he describes basically how the Bank of England interceded and, and they were able to extend the sovereign immunity of the systemically important banks through the BIS to cover HSBC. Yeah. So HSBC is completely skates protected by Eric Holder, Attorney General of the United States, who shows up in Tennessee to to basically target and attack the Tennessee legislators, including threatening lawsuits against them, Eric Holder. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Right. Yeah. The guy who was there right. when they were too big to, to jail. And one of the right. Eric Holder remember, right. Eric Holder was the guy who made sure the Mexican cartel drug gangs could have weapons to kill DEA agents, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Offense. So that was Fast and Furious. Yes. That's Eric Holder. Yeah. Covington and Burling. Don't, you know, remember that name. Yeah. When you talk about gun control, talk about that. That was an obvious false flag. Even the New York Times said Fast and Furious right. was a false flag. And they had that as part of the UN Arms Trade Treaty. They were trying to say, well, we've got to control traffic going across the uh, the border of small firearms so that means that we're going to have to have registration full registration of all firearms and and uh, ammunition and that type of thing in the u.s so that we can know where it came from and we can backtrack it so it was a backdoor way to do what they wanted to do and it and it blew up with the dea agent uh, getting shot with that but uh they you know, it's very had- interesting david mm-hmm. uh, speaking of having a you know sort of personal stories I remember being out in L.A. when Fast and Furious broke, and I talked about it on a big radio show and explained why, you know, my personal experience with Eric Holder, if you want to understand my personal experience with Eric Holder, read my online book, Till and Read in the Aristocracy, a Stock Profits. So I talk about how, why I believe Eric Holder is up to his eyeballs in the criminality. And I fly home to Memphis, I get off the plane, and I come down to baggage claim, and there's a Mexican guy. The leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who's tracking me? He's shadowing me. He's following me. Wow. And I thought, huh? Really? Because, you know, the word was that, uh, you know, the Mexican cartels were, were, you know, Memphis was a hub. So, but I didn't know a lot about it at the time. So I thought, well, this is not, you know, this is not good because this guy's following me. He's, you know, he's shadowing me. So he's like a spotter. You know how they have spotters. Okay, so I get my bags. It's late at night. My car is all the way back in the parking lot up on the top level at the Memphis airport. And I start down the road. You know, nobody around. It's dark. It's empty. And I'm not caring because I just flew in from L.A. Mm-hmm. So my gun's at home. And suddenly I see another Mexican guy peek out from behind my car all the way down the road. Wow. And I thought, I'm not caring. And I went back into the into the airport and was able to find a policeman, you know, one of those guys on a bicycle, a police community 
policing. And I said, you got to walk me to the car because there's a guy, you know. There, so I need I need a gun, so you're going to be my gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I took off. He took a, one look at the policeman coming along, and he took off. As many but, people say, uh, you know, we, we carry guns because the police officers are too heavy. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you got your own police officer, right? <laughs> well, needless to say, I was glad to see him. I was glad he was available. But, you know, we are living... At one point, I made Yellowstone, the movie of the year on the Solari Report, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of criticism. People wrote in and said, that show is really violent. I said, really? Have you lived in America? You must live in a different <laughs> country than I live in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's done very well. So what do you think, uh, you know, what could we say to uh, these legislators, if any of them are listening, uh, about this? I, I, I'm very concerned about the signal that it sends in many ways. You know, whenever you try to appease tyranny... You always get more of it because they see it as a sign of weakness. And that's right. you, can't comply, you can't comply your way out of tyranny. That's right. That doesn't work. So here's, here's what the citizens of Tennessee need to do. We need to get the governor out of the corner. The governor's been put in a corner, and so he's going to punch a hole in the dam in a way that's going to make us much less safe. Mm-hmm. So the question is, politically, how do you get the governor out of the corner? I feel sorry for him because he's got... If you and I talk about this in the articles, if you look at all the different armies, you know, the vested interests have landed on his head, whether it's protesters, whether it's media, whether it's dirty legislators. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a couple of dirty, dirty legislators in Tennessee. And and you know, you've got this army just going at him. And so it, it makes it it makes it so he wants to look like he's doing something, right? Mm-hmm. So he needs to feel like we need to take action. So, so, so get the governor out of the corner, call the governor's office, write them an email, write your state senator, write your state representative, you know, your house representative, and say under no circumstances will you compromise in any way the Second Amendment, no red flag laws, no, no, no. The Tennessee Firearms Association has a lot of good posts, and, you know, if you're looking for templates or things to say, but you just... You have to make this clear. If you do a search for Tennessee General Assembly, you can get easily the contact information for your state senator and your state representative. If you don't know who they are, you can find out who they are. You want to know them. I mean, yeah. I mean it's, a, it's a great group of people. You have really fine people in the Tennessee legislature. But you make it absolutely clear you will not tolerate any compromise of the Second Amendment and no red flag laws. And... You know, if there is enough pushback, then you're going to help get the governor out of the corner. Because what the governor can say is, you know, look, I've tried to do it. I wanted to do it. But there's just too much, you know, there's too much pushback. I can't get this done politically. And all you have to do is make sure no special session. Just say no special session, no special session. Because then there's nobody in Nashville to, you know, pass some rotten thing. Yeah, I agree. And, and we don't realize the power of that letter. You know, I, right. I remember uh, we homeschooled our kids. And so I remember uh, back in the early 90s when it was still kind of a new thing and it was shaky and the teachers unions were coming after it and uh, they were going to shut it down. It was a Democrat controlled state and you had a massive letter writing campaign by a small minority of people. Homeschooling was not right. that big then. And they stopped that powerful teachers union. You can have an effect if you contact these people because most people never bother to do it. And so that means already that uh, you have an outsized, um, you know, the people who are interested in government 
are the people who are going to be writing, and that's the way they perceive this. They know, well, these are the people that are going to be likely voters, likely donors, or whatever, but they listen because you took the time to write to them. And I think that's very important that we make that heard, that, uh, again, take the pressure off the governor, send him a letter saying we don't want to have a special session, send the same one to your other representatives uh, in the House and the Senate. And, And I think that is very important for them as well because we do have a good group of people there in Tennessee right now. Uh, we've had a lot of good things that have been done economically as well as constitutional carry. And we don't want to weaken the Republican Party. And and it's going to weaken the Republican Party with right. voters if they see this as a betrayal, isn't it? If you look at all the people who are moving to Tennessee because they want what Tennessee has, yes, the last thing you can afford to do is then destroy the thing that's attracting you. That's right. That's right. You know? We don't want to all move back to California and New York. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't want to move to either of those places. Let's talk a little bit about CBDC and some okay. things that are being done here in Tennessee. Uh, because if you, as you pointed out many times, a central bank digital currency is really the end game. It's, it's, we can get there in a lot of different ways, but that right. is the direct, uh, most direct way, the fastest way to get us there. Uh, in terms of a surveillance state, in terms of a lockdown, open-air prison, CB, CBDC takes us there directly. And yes. uh, so that is that is a key thing to uh, be concerned about. Uh, talk about um, how you see this currently. I mean, we've had a couple of presidential candidates who have talked about this. I think um, um, on the Republican side, we've got DeSantis. On the Democrat side, we have RFK Jr. We've got, I think, uh, Ramaswamy has also talked about it. Uh, there's right. a lot of silence about it, but some of the people are now noticing this, and I think it really needs to be... One, one of my favorite comments on CBDC, I have an article at Solari, so mm-hmm. my website is Solari.com. You go to Solari, I have an article called, I Want to Stop CBDCs, What Can I Do? Good. And it's a great collection of actions you and your family and your friends can take that can make a huge difference in turning the ship. Of course, the big one, as you know, David, is use cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, um, but in item number 11, I say bring transparency and I give a list of six videos, all of them short, that really show you what a dire thing CBDCs are. Yes. Um, and one of those videos is the president, you know, the Federal Reserve System has 12 private banks. The flagship is the New York Fed. But there are 11 other banks around the country, and it's got the president of the Minneapolis Fed saying, well, I can understand why the Chinese would want CBDCs because it gives them complete control and surveillance, but I cannot imagine why Americans would ever allow this to happen. Yeah, that was Neil Kachari, right? That is the president of the New York Fed who, who, whose claim to fame was giving away trains of your dollars during the bailouts. <laughs> and even he says, no, you can't do this. Well, he said one of the things he said was, look, I can send money electronically to anybody. And that's what they're trying to sell is the first phase of this this summer coming out with what they call Fed Now. It said, oh, look, we got a novel idea. You can send cash to people 24-7, 365 and do it instantly. He says, we've already got that. We got a lot of private uh, things that do that. That doesn't really solve anything. But it's the first step. The second step, of course, is that's what they call the wholesale part. That's where they get the banks, uh, you know, uh, there with the Fed. And the whole thing is... The purpose of it is to have central control, central control right. of everything and make it direct. And that's the next step with FedCoin. They've even got a name for it already, what they want. And right. they, and when we talk about it, they'll say, oh, oh, we're not doing that. We didn't say we're going to do that. They've named it already. They know it. it's just a phase rollout. So 
one of the one of the, my favorite videos in that group is Richard Warner, who is the top academic scholar on central banking and banking um, in Malmo, Sweden, in May 2022. I was there. I was on a panel with him describing the fact that one of the heads of one of the European central bankers told him that CBDC was going to be a chip and they were going to put it in your hand. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, we, we just had, uh, you know, just a couple of days ago, we had those Russian comedians who had <laughs> called up Jerome Powell and he's talking to them. Thank you. He's talking to uh, Zelensky. But he, they had done that a couple of months ago with Ursula von der Leyen of the European Central Bank. And she said, uh, no, yeah, with uh, Christine Lagarde. Uh, yeah, I'm Lagarde. sorry, uh, Christine yeah. Lagarde. Sorry, uh, and, and but she was saying, uh, yeah, we're going to basically outlaw cash. You know, people can take the risk, but if we catch them with it, we're going to send them to prison. She, you know, that was pretty pretty amazing. That is the plan, and, and they're going to roll right. it out there. They want to roll it out here. When Biden came in, he picked a Marxist, Saleh Omarova, and she had a paper about how they were going to redefine everything over a year ago in March. You had uh, Biden putting out uh, uh, directions to all the different bureaucracies in one of four areas. Report back to me how you're going to implement all this stuff. How are you going to redesign the financial system? How are you going to in, uh, enforce this? You know, so Department of Justice and FBI, how are you going to enforce this? Uh, how are we going to write the code? And the fourth one, uh, Catherine, was climate. And that's the way right. they're going to sell this. That's the way they're going to take down their competition private crypto uh, uh, coins. They see so that as a competition. I I can steal your real estate because my owning it instead of you is good for the climate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. So the, the honor of who, who didn't get confirmed, thank God, right. you know, and you can thank Senator Kennedy of Louisiana for that. Um, but Amarova uh, wrote, and she published it in the Vanderbilt Law Review. Um, she wrote a paper on CBDC and said, the great thing about it is if you're worried inflation, you can just freeze everybody's accounts. <laughs> yeah, just like the truckers <laughs> in Canada. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you can freeze their accounts. You can also, you know, uh, uh, this wasn't a particular thing of her, but my problem is it's taxation without representation. They just, they, they want to raise taxes. They just come take the money out of your account. That's right. Well, we do have that as well as regulation without representation, because most of the rules, they're passing rules instead of writing laws, right? So we, right. Get, we get regulation and taxation without representation. We don't have any due process. We don't have any presumption of innocence. So they don't have to find you guilty. They can just take your stuff. Well, but here's the thing. We, we still do have the Constitution, and it's mm-hmm. worth something. If you take it right. down, David, okay. you know the speed at which, and that's why they have to get gun control. You cannot take the Constitution down if we are well-armed, if we have the Constitution and we are well-armed, you know, that has been, for, for decades, that has been a, you know, a huge wall between us and the abyss. That's right. And we cannot let it take, you know, people think, oh, well, I'm not a gun owner, I don't care. You know, I once said to a very progressive friend of mine who was dependent on Social Security to live, I said, how do you like your Social Security check? And she said, I like it. Well, I said, you better support the Second Amendment, because if you don't, you won't get a Social Security check. And she says, what does one have to do with the other? She literally didn't understand that when you shift the balance of power and that standing army moves in on us, they can cancel everything, including Social Security payments. That's right. And we've already had a a taste of this. You know, we've had the lockdown. We tell uh, Main Street and the middle class, I'm sorry, you're not essential. 
and we're going to shut down this small right. business that you've had for a long, just like that, overnight. And, and so well, but it wasn't, it wasn't just shutting them down, it was stealing them. Yes. Exactly. Because if you look at the extraordinary explosion of wealth of the people who picked up that market share in those assets, mm-hmm. I mean, that was a steal. That was not a pandemic, it was a steal. Was. Because you get the you get the Fed printing and injecting $5 trillion in it, a lot of it going to their pals where they're shutting our businesses down, stealing the market share and picking the assets up cheap. That's a steal. Yeah, half of the uh, half of the money that was part of the PPP that was supposed to help the small businesses afterwards, half of the money, more than 50% of the money, went to less than 5% of the companies right. because they redefined what a small business was and right. uh, in a very cynical way. One of the things that I was interested in, I had never realized, because I was not you know, getting any PPP money, there was an anecdote in RFK Jr.'s uh, speech about a small businessman uh, that had you know, fought really hard to get his business established and was in, in the process of losing everything. They threw him uh, a little bit of uh, money. It was $17,000, mm-hmm. and he had to spend it within a short period of time. And I thought, you know, I've always looked at these stimulus checks and as PPP as universal basic income. We're going to take everything right. from you. We're going to give everybody universally Everybody gets a, a check, a welfare check. I mean, that's full on right. Marxism. But then there was the time aspect of it. You got to spend it by this amount of time. I said, oh, so it wasn't just universal basic income. It was also a taste of CBDC because they can put right. time limits on the currency as well with that. So let me, after you finish talking to the governor and, and your state senator and your state representative about the necessity of protecting the Second Amendment, then you want to talk to them about the necessity of protecting financial transaction freedom. Yes. What the reason we had Richard Warner write a great memo on state sovereign bank. If you if you go to Solari.com, just do a search for Richard Warner or Sovereign State Bank, you'll pick up his memo. And we're going to publish it in a hard copy later this year. And um, we've made some hard copies and distributed them around the legislature. They're what the state needs, David, is the ability to collect taxes and spend money, because the Tennessee state is a big part of the Tennessee economy. It needs to be able to do that without being able to control or be shut down or shut off by the New York Fed member banks. Yes, yes. So, so this this gets down to raw political power. If they can stop or control your transactions, including with CBDC or the FedNow system, you know, whether for the state, whether for the local banks in the state or the citizenry, then they've got us over a barrel. Oh, I agree. But if we if we have financial transaction train tracks that can work no matter what and they can't stop us from transacting or controlling, that's why we've written this this thing on the importance of the state having financial transaction freedom. We talked about a sovereign bank like the Bank of North Dakota, but there are other ways to achieve it. Now, there there are a couple reasons why you want this. We just saw the head of the New Zealand Central Bank give a speech after the cyclone and say, thank God we had cash. Mm -hmm. Because if we hadn't had cash, the entire economy would have shut down. And this is why you need cash. And I said to my partner, John Titus on Money and Markets, I said, I guess he didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but... Yeah, but nobody when, wants cash know, in the globalist organizations. That is the enemy. Well, but here's the thing. You know, there are multiple reasons. It's not just political control. 
things go wrong, the electrical system goes down, you have a blackout, you need to have transactional options. That's right. You know, I get back to transactional freedom. That's number one. We saw the power grid go down in Kentucky, remember, for three weeks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you you got to have cash. That's right. You know, but then there's the political issue, which is if, if, if we have, uh, you know, whether it's war and we have an EMP attack or whether the New York Fed member banks decide, okay, we're going to implement CBDC and we want control or with the Fed now system, we're going to run your banks and we want control. You need the state to protect the sovereignty of its citizens and sovereignty of its citizens and a 